0: You are listening to The Good News with Angie Austin. Find the podcast of past shows at AngieAustinRadio.com. Now, here's Angie Austin with The Good News.
1: Hello, friend. It is Angie Austin with The Good News. Hope you're having a great day, and I hope that the good news we share with you brightens your day and gives you some hope so that you realize, uh, unlike what you see on the regular mainstream media, that there is a lot of positive Uh, news out there in the world a lot of people being kind to others and uh, doing the right thing Uh, joining us we've got some of the good news gals don't have as many good news guys this time we've got of course producer dave jennifer bishop here jennifer you've been traveling and out and about you've been doing a lot of work uh, traveling the country and uh, in your rv lately i love that
2: (laughs) yes loving the rv life when i'm able to what a great
1: way to like i don't know travel and work i think that's so cool and, you know, with now with the technology, I actually, whenever I go on vacation with my kids, and we might even go to California for two or three months this summer, and I'll just bring, I have set up my studio in the closet of, like, if we rent a house, or, you know, or I'll be, like, with my dad on some senior tour. We're going to New Orleans, and we went to Nashville last fall. And I'll literally bring, like, I can do it off of my cell phone and a headset that has a microphone, like a gaming headset, mm-hmm. and you would not even believe it. You can make it sound like you're in a studio. I
2: know. it's it's so crazy the world that we live in like how close it is and I'm like as long as I have my phone and some wi-fi I am set and (laughs) so I've been able to see so much of the United States and I love our country we have so many great places to see here I know and wonderful people that will go out of their way to help and help others and so there's a
1: lot of good in the world Mm -hmm. there are a lot of good people out there Barbara Brooks is back she's been joining us this past month and uh, Barbara has a big event and we're going to talk a little bit about that at the end of the segment we've been uh uh, sharing that uh, for women with their second act in life and I've had one I did tv and now obviously I'm in radio and Barbara you brought your partner, so Barbara Brooks why don't you introduce Lupe and tell us a little about her
3: yes and uh usually I'm the big talker so I'm going to give her a chance to uh introduce herself but yes we are partners though on second act uh bizcon and so uh we met about eight years ago or so maybe longer when i was at park meadows retail resort as where
1: the director i met you Marketing. at park meadows i think it was
3: you were doing yeah, a Christmas i was special doing a live us. shot
1: with yes. chris parente i yes. think yeah with yeah. the
3: everyday show
1: yeah I, probably yeah uh, yes. i mean whatever it was i it was remember Christmas. meeting you there yeah and it yeah. was crazy and was crazy. and i remember being at, at park meadows uh for doing a live shot and it was uh Black uh, Black Black Friday, Friday. that's where you were there and so I um, actually went into a store and was in the line and I got valet parking right so I didn't do any of the stuff that a normal person would to try to shop on Black Friday I was so anxious in the crowds that I left and I thought to myself I made no effort to get here like they parked my car like I'm in here doing a live shot and I'm just in line with an item and I was so overwhelmed by the crowds that I went I am out of here, I put my (laughs) item back and I left Mr. J.C.
3: Oh my gosh, I know you did. And that was was over it. I'm sure. And Ikea had actually just opened just a few months before. So it was really crazy down there. So you're lucky you got valet parking, by the way.
1: You could barely get in and out of that place. Yeah, it was nice to get the valet parking. I never get that. Yeah. We did a whole
3: hour show, uh, hour or two there. Yeah, we did. uh, Yeah. That was fun. Santa's set.
1: I'm telling you, Chris Bernte is one of the funniest people I've ever met in my life. I'm seeing him for my. He wrote me the nicest text the other day because he's getting promoted and he'll be. Here in Denver, at least, on the morning show. Lupe, yes. we haven't forgotten about you. Oh,
4: it's all good. And, uh, all good.
1: it's the sweetest thing because one of my regrets, I think, um, was that he and I had not kept in touch like we should. And I was telling a mutual friend, she uh, she's my entertainment reporter on another show that I do, and she travels the world going to these movie junkets. Oh, so she travels lovely. with Chris, and she had brought up some news about Chris, and I said... I so regret that I have not kept in touch with him the way I should have. I just love him so much. He was like a yeah. brother to me and she said he's so busy with the, you know the morning show and this that and the other and yeah. his relationship and blah blah blah. Yes. And so I wrote to him and get, said congrats on your um on your promotion and he said Angie, I love you so much. I'm committed to reconnecting with you this year. I've fallen short in staying close to you, and I'm going to cry. And that is my loss because you've always been such an anchor in my life. So we're getting together for his oh birthday my, in like okay, a week. I love that. I love okay. he's like he was like a brother That's to me. Beautiful. I mean, we were I've never bonded with that, someone that way like comedically and friendship-wise, right. and he and I had such a close friendship working together for like yes. 10 years. And then when I left, I really didn't stay friends with anyone but Ken Clark. I still see from oh, time I to love time. Who is delightful he He's the traffic guy. Yeah. And I love him. One of the kindest, nicest people I've ever met and hilarious. Yes. And then Chris, he and I stayed in touch a little but you know life interferes and yes. then but you know that just we're, get, we're so getting together for his for birthday you. yeah
3: he's yeah he's a he's a wonderful human being I'm happy with his news yeah um, me too. I don't know if we should say it so all we'll right so
1: Lupe you <laughs> yes. uh are partners and just uh you're you're in PR what do you what do you do to give us just a brief intro your yeah. 30 second elevator speech my
4: 30 seconds so yeah my background is public relations and communications um I most recently was doing some work um, in helping people kind of reconnect with their culture and their identity as an associate producer on a, a documentary project. Um, but as you know, working with Barb, it's hard to stay away. So she reeled me back in on this second act. And quite honestly, I'm in that space myself right now, both personally
1: and professionally. And I so think a lot it just of people, Amen. they need encouragement that if you <laughs> have a dream of doing that second act or uh, Beatrice Bruno, one of our favorite guests, yeah. she'll be a perfect interview for you on that topic because when she was eight, she got a typewriter and she She would stay up at night with a flashlight and type in her bed underneath her bedspread. She became a drill sergeant, a hairdresser, and a truck driver and became a writer in her 50s. I love it, and she's only
3: sixty, I think. i think yeah. she had me by <laughs> yeah, 10. yes, yeah. So she is in her second yeah. last. Second, she's act. had about four acts. Yeah, and Jen, <laughs> Jen was a social worker, and now she has her own Ooh.
1: business uh, with uh health supplements, and she's done ex- uh, probably done, done a
2: nonprofit for well, yeah. and that's how we met, Angie yeah. and I. Yes, yeah. So yes, amazing? It's the second so act in life, and you're never too old, and that's no, part of your message. Very, so we'll never, talk never. about that
1: more at the end of the yes. segment. Now, in terms of good news and being kind to others, I love that this whole neighborhood—well, I don't want to give it away. Uh, a little girl, the kindness, this whole neighborhood, they did something labor-intensive. It took some effort for them to be kind to this little girl, and I love the idea of making people feel included— Every one of my kids this year has faced some kind of weird situation when it comes to bullying. My daughter, you know, on the bus uh, was being literally sexually harassed by a boy. That boy's now left the school. Oh my and goodness. he was making sex gestures to her. He w- he drew a uh, wee-wee on her paper. I don't want to use the P word. But yeah. he drew like a full men's, you know, whole oh deal on her artwork. And uh, so when she sat back down, that's what was oh. drawn on her artwork, you know, big pee oh my goodness. Pee-pee. Anatomy. Uh-huh. Anatomy. Yeah, thank you. I don't even know. I, I hate to, like, <laughs> even, you know. But that's what he drew, yeah. you know. She's 11. <laughs> and, uh, and then uh, he was making up songs in the bus that were real lewd and disgusting. Oh my goodness. And they caught that on video. And I think when they all saw it, they were kind of taken aback by the language. So he left the school. My son has been punched or slapped twice in the last month. And uh, yesterday at school, someone had taken his little moon pie and they broke it in half and opened it and shared it with a friend. And he kind of pushed him to the side to try to grab it back to get it. He got two days of after school detention for pushing the kid aside. But wait, the kid 10 minutes later clocked him. (gasps) What? Clocked him in class. I mean, clocked him. Now, that kid might have been suspended. Oh, my goodness. But when I talked to the dean, she said, well, Riley started it by bringing food to class. He shouldn't have brought a snack. Are you kidding me? Yeah. And I said, Well he took it from him. Well, but he shouldn't have had it in there. I was like, You're this like is wait, the most there's convoluted. something missing. She goes, Well let's just focus on the violence. He did shove the boy to try to, you know, push him aside to get it. And so I, I'm a little torn on that one. And then the other boy um, just slapped him all. out of the <laughs> middle of nowhere oh on goodness. the bus. And they caught that on video. And the kid didn't get in trouble. Oh he walked goodness. right up behind my son. They call it necking, where you slap somebody. He's looking down at his phone because he was texting me. So I knew the exact moment that it happened because I huh. checked the text time. And the kid slapped him and left a red handprint on the back of his neck.
3: That's like the <clears> new <throat> thing is to slap someone yes. on your back? Yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah.
1: And then um, my, my little girl, I'm going to cry telling you this. She's nine. And uh, come in, Michelle, our other good news girl. I want you to hear this because you know how cute and sweet my faith is. So we're on the air. So my cute little nine-year-old, Michelle, knows her. So do you, Jen. She weighs 48 to 50 pounds. She's super tiny. uh, And she is... uh, Uh, I call her my nine-year-old attorney, Mm -hmm. and she stands up for herself. She's Mm -hmm. a very good basketball player. Um, Here she is. You can see how tall or how small she is, Barbara. She's the smallest little blonde girl in the middle of that basketball team. She scored over over half the points of her game last week, okay? She's very good, does very well in school. I've never had problems with her. I've never had her, I mean, she's a straight A student and she's a tremendous little athlete for her, you know, dinky little oh, size. Yeah, She just she's qualified adorable. for this Nuggets thing. She came in first place in this like oh, shooting thing. Okay. So with that said, I know nothing about basketball. This <laughs> I <mean>, the shooting <laughs> thing, this dribbling <laughs> thing. We Michelle know what you, watch. yeah. Michelle. Nuggets. I think it's a, I look at Michelle because her daughter's basketball great basketball It's some basketball team, player. I think. So the <laughs> listen to what this nine-year-old 50 pound girl said to me. Mommy, would you pick me, I'm gonna cry. Mommy, would you pick me up early from school today? I said, why, honey? And she said, well, I would like to do something fun because it's been so bad with the kids bullying me in class that I feel like every day I'm going to hell.
3: Oh. Oh.
4: That breaks my heart as a mom. Oh my gosh. Oh,
1: wow
3: what i'm sorry oh, that's what? Awful. Like that's a, gotta break what yeah. the worst years going this year. on they're
1: so mean you know Wow, it just... is
3: mind-blowing
1: to me how and, and
2: it's the kids oh, that are God. being victimized that like, and i can't believe my school... son like, got school two days purchased... of after-school
1: detention oh. for trying to get back the snack that this our kid schools took from him.
2: are just i i don't know what's happening okay
1: so with that said that's why I love this story, Dave, that you can now introduce, because now we need real good news. We
3: do. Can I take a step back the Moon yeah. Pie? I love that they're still I, around. I
1: know. They're hard <laughs> to find, too. My son loves them. I bought them like 12 boxes. I'm such a bad the mom. The banana were yeah. We're always the good ones. The banana. Yeah. They're big in, like, the Northeast. They're harder to find here. Yeah, the moon pie. Love the moon pie. All right, Dave, introduce our good news. So this
5: is one of the sweetest stories ever. This little girl is the cutest thing. And I would suggest looking her up online. Um, I can't remember her name, but I'm sure it'd be real easy once this clip starts.
0: Yep. At the far end of Islington Road in Newton, Massachusetts, lives a little girl near and dear to the neighborhood. Two-year-old Samantha Savitz is deaf. But boy, does she love to talk to anyone who knows sign language. Her parents, Raphael and Glenda
6: she's super engaging she wants to you know chat up with anybody yeah her whole personality
4: changes when it's someone who can communicate with her
0: likewise if someone can't well that makes sam just a little sad her desire for engagement has been painfully obvious to everyone in the neighborhood whenever they see her on a walker in her yard and sam tries to be neighborly they find themselves at a frustrating loss for words
3: i didn't know what to say back Wouldn't you
2: like to talk to her?
0: You know, basic conversation that one would have with a child.
2: Asking her about her
6: day. And make her feel that she is part of the neighborhood. Just be her friend.
0: Unfortunately, this isn't something you can solve with a casserole. You'd need the whole community to learn sign language, just for a little two-year-old girl. Can't expect neighbors to do that. You can only appreciate them when they do. On their own. Sam's neighbors got together, hired an instructor, and are now fully immersed in an American Sign Language class. The teacher, Reese McGovern, says this is remarkable because a lot of times even the parents of deaf children don't bother to learn sign language.
3: But here, Sam has a full community that's signing and communicating with her and her family, and it is a beautiful story.
0: And he says this level of inclusion will almost certainly guarantee a happier, more well-adjusted Sam. Which is why her parents say there aren't words in any language to express their gratitude. It's,
4: yeah, it's, it's really shocking and beautiful.
7: We are so fortunate.
0: In fact, they say they're already seeing a difference in their daughter. You should see her when she comes in at the end of class.
2: The first thing she says to us is,
0: friend.
7: I think your heart would melt just as mine did.
0: Sometimes it feels like America is losing its sense of community. But then you hear about a place like this, where the village it takes to raise a child is alive and well, and here to remind us that what makes a good neighborhood is nothing more than good neighbors.
1: Okay, Beautiful. we're not losing our sense of community. No. It's so oh, there, and yes. we all know that, but it's not getting attention. Nope. I just emailed this morning or text. I sent text, pardon me, to my neighborhood like mom group where we each help each other with like um, pickups at school and all these other things. We help each other out so much. There's five of us, and we're constantly like, hey, can my kid come over this morning and ride with you to the bus stop? Would you mind getting my kid? Or will you walk my dog? I left the key here. Here. We do this constantly, but time. we're not seeing it on the news. Nope. Community is alive and well. Michelle, you know, because we used to live in the same community. I mean, oh. you have a huge group of friends that helped you get through your divorce. You said you wouldn't have survived it without them. Definitely not. Um, I love I love our neighborhood. I always thought ours was kind of special, though. I didn't think that it was like that in a lot of places. My neighbors are amazing. Well, I had amazing <laughs> I moved, neighbors
2: as well. My last
1: two house years ago up from Michelle's neighborhood, and... Um, I have to be honest with you, even though our houses are more spread out in my neighborhood, we kind of moved into like a a ranch neighborhood so that homes Mm -hmm. are really spread out we are, they are so good to me because it's a smaller neighborhood. I feel like yeah. maybe they look out for me even more.
3: Absolutely. Yeah.
1: And Jen, yeah. I know your neighborhood. Oh my gosh. They are amazing. When you were, uh, Jen who was married almost 30 years and last year she got a divorce and a neighbor found out and they're like, you need to come down here right away and explain this to us. Oh. You know, I mean, they <laughs> just, love her we neighbors told love them. They told
2: us no, well, we went with, we went over there to together. talk together and I was like, oh my gosh. But you know, even now I bought a brand new town home. Um, the, the townhome, we're having like uh, parties in the quarter. The, um, what do you call it? In the middle yeah. between yeah, where yeah, the yeah. other garages the are, Yeah, you've uh, never no, lived the garages. Where oh. the garages. Oh. Everybody oh, opened it. their garages. We oh, had a hilarious. Yeah, Allie. Thank okay. you. That was the word. Thank you. Ding, <laughs> ding, ding. Um, yeah, I'm like, it's, it's alive and well, but we don't yes. see
1: it. He's right. But this division that they're telling us is here in the country is so much smaller than the media would make us believe. Mainstream There are people in this room who differ politically and we love each other right and that's the thing that people think that they, they, the far left and the far right are getting so much attention that the, those of us in the middle on this giant island, we're all Americans in this big boat, and there's a couple of rafts on either side, you know, as big as a buoy, and <laughs> that's where the people that are a little nutty are, and they're the ones getting all the attention, but the majority of us, r- regardless of politics, are on the big island together, and we actually love each other, care about each other, and have similar values, even though we have a couple of small differences politically. Right. We still, in general, have the same values. Right. And that's what I think is not being presented in mainstream media, because the money is in uh, negative. putting negative news on the air, dividing people, getting them all fired up and angry, yeah. and doing that angry white guy radio.
3: Right, right. <laughs> if it bleeds, it leads, as you yeah. know, from yes. your industry. And I'm tired of it. Yeah. No, I wouldn't
2: blame it all on them though, because I think that uh, social media has made it easier for
1: oh, people to be hate. exceptionally rude. And exceptionally they- is a good way to put it. <laughs> exceptionally rude. Like that. Things great way, and yeah. they say
3: things that they would never say mm-hmm. to your Persons. face. Oh, I mean, yeah. That's you true. wouldn't say that ever. to Yeah. right.
1: Social media does fuel oh, yeah. it as well. Now, do I'm know, really uh, careful on social media. media. You notice I never, even though I have a show that does talk about politics, a different mm-hmm. one. Yeah. You notice I never post on politics ever. I don't either. Because I only want to bring people together on my I page. Try, but I but try I, not I, to, I, sometimes but sometimes I just got to well, say something here. I have my own platform, you guys. I can talk four hours a day on the radio. Yeah. And I'm on stations all over the country. So I get to, that's where I spew my agenda. People tune if they want. You two do use Barbara and Michelle, uh, PR and real estate, and mom, Michelle. You do um, have a social agenda, I would say. And so, Michelle, I see you posting social topics as much as political and like, eye-openers awareness this yeah. is going on
3: let's speak out about this mm-hmm.
1: uh so i think that's
2: fine
3: i think that's fine and you have to always remember the audience so i i will always remember a my mom's on the other side of my post right, right um and uh, a few of my best friends are on the opposite side of right my agenda yeah but um We always, I I always want to be mindful of that. I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. Sometimes I do post and I think, oh my gosh, I need to delete that because I might have hurt somebody's feelings. So I get it out there because I'm feeling a certain way and then I delete it. (laughs) <laughs> oh,
1: like like you know on election night. Oh yeah, Michelle posted oh, uh, on election, election night. Michelle, yeah, and I, I went all it the way off. <laughs> yeah, she went all the way off. <laughs> and <laughs> Michelle <laughs> and I are, uh, d- are, are on everybody. Yeah, I broke Michelle- everybody? down. Michelle and I are uh, divided funny. politically, and she did. She was very outspoken about her feelings that night. She That's did funny. Delete it, but she kept the post for
3: herself. I saved it so, it so, so I know see. who's on my yeah, side. Yeah, who's on
1: her side? Hey, yeah. uh, we have about a minute left. Barbara, tell us about your event coming up.
3: Oh yes, I'm gonna actually turn it over to Lupe.
1: one minute.
4: Awesome. So. Second Act is a conference that's coming up March 21st through the 23rd at the Art Hotel in Denver. And it's exclusively focused for women over 40 plus that are kind of going through their own personal and professional Second Act and are looking to bond with other women, like-minded, um, that are wanting to get inspired and um, wanting to step in fully into their Second Act and kind of connect with other women and, and grow and own every single part of being Second Act www.secondactbizcon.com.
1: Great. And if you want to reach out to Michelle or Jennifer, Jennifer's in the health and supplement business. Michelle is in real estate, Barbara in PR, and Lupe just gave her website. You can go to angiaustinradio.com. And if you'd like to partner with us and advertise and grow your business, AngieAustinRadio.com. and ArkDrift.org for a location near you if you just want to drop a few things off and do a little shopping. ArkDrift.org, shopping with a purpose.
0: I love...
5: Having fun in the mountains is easy year-round with YMCA of the Rockies. Come fill your spring days and nights with our exciting programs and entertaining activities. At YMCA Estes Park Center, we love spring in the Rockies. This year, YMCA spring break activities start on March 8th. The fun never stops at the YMCA of the Rockies spring break. Get out there and enjoy some springtime hiking and activities like wildlife and ecology classes, guided hikes into Rocky Mountain National Park, or even fun and entertaining bug classes for the kids. YMCA Esses Park is the ideal family vacation located in a stunning environment that helps build healthy minds, bodies, and spirits for all. At the YMCA of the Rockies, we love to provide real bonding experiences for families of all sizes. Go to YMCArockies.org. Fill your spring break with fun, exciting, and affordable family adventures. At YMCA of the Rockies, go to YMCArockies.org to book your stay today. Hello, friends. Hello, this is Producer Dave. This is the next installment of my wonderful author series that I've been able to do. I I have a connection with several PR people who I'll represent authors of all kinds from all different walks of life. And they send me their books all the time. And unfortunately, Angie can't talk to all of them. But I have tried to find some time. And I talk to, I pick the cream of the crop out of all those books. And I, I talk to the people. Um, and I want to share all these books with you. Some of them are very, very awesome, inspiring, amazing books. And this one is no different. This is actually from a wonderful author named Jeffrey Moore. He wrote this book called We Believed, and it chronicles the journey that he he received a message from God, is from what I understand. And it told him he was going to stop traveling the world and adopt four children and completely change his life. And in the In telling the story, though, he is hoping that with this book that it can kind of help us all rekindle our faith and rekindle our our joy for life. And just it it does so many things all within this book. So I'm really excited to talk to Jeffrey. And plus we have special guest host today. Our very good friend, Donna Hetzler. How, how are you guys doing today?
8: Awesome. So glad to be here. How about you, Jeffrey?
6: I'm doing great. I'm really excited.
8: Yeah, me too. It's a beautiful day in Colorado. Warming up today. Sun's out. So excited to be here and have the sunshine.
5: Right. It's nice. It's a. I mean, everything is looking good. It's a, another wonderful Monday. So that's awesome. And, uh, yep. you know, we get to tackle this this week head on. We were just saying right before we started that, So many days have already disappeared in the year. It seems like it's, you know, two weeks. It seems like it was just New Year's and it goes by so quickly. It does. That uh, sometimes a lot of the things I was reading about the book kind of, uh, you know, help you slow things down and kind of appreciate it. Is that right,
6: Jeffrey? Yeah, exactly. You know, patience is something that is very important in our spiritual walk. And I think we overlook that sometimes. We expect things to happen Uh, instantaneously. I know I do. Uh, We get these calls from God, these words from God, and we feel like, oh, they're going to happen right away. And sometimes they do. That's true. But sometimes we have that element of patience that needs to be built in because God is doing something in our heart that has to be done first before we're ready to receive those things that he is calling us into.
8: I feel like he's constantly doing things in my heart (laughs) because, you know, I'm a run-ahead girl, right? So I don't have good patience with that. And I never pay for patience. I always pray God God, let me run ahead. Let me just go for this. I'm your girl. So, yes, I love how you say that God's doing stuff in our hearts in those sacred times of waiting. It's important to wait, even though it's so hard. Isn't that hard for you, too? Right. Absolutely. Yeah. It's
5: hard to wait. You want it. Everything. You want it now. I mean, even everything, uh, even all the worldly things that we want, you know, you all have to go one day at a time to get those little things. You know, you want more money. Right. Save a penny a day or whatever. And, save or a penny get, a day. You know, I love you want to get, you know, you want to lose weight. It, it, you can't just lose weight right away. You got to lose weight over time or you know all that everything is funny because that's something that's the good news has really taught me is all those things that you want in life it really takes a little you know, chipping away at whatever it is your goal is it every does. single day. And it's a little bit, a little bit, a little bit until eventually it turns into a lot. So.
8: Right. Now I'm excited to hear Jeffrey's story too, because, um, I don't have children, but I adopt and, and rescue Huskies. And awesome. so there's been times where I've had a Husky and when you get a rescue dog, typically they have, you know, anxiety separation and things. And so my guy Zorro that I've had for about seven years now, when I first got him, he was into everything. Like he pulled out the drawers and nail polished everywhere. I had real estate files scattered across my five acres, and I'm like, I am selling you to the gypsies. So <laughs> to hear this story about, you know, taking on children and building your family and really listening to God's voice, I mean, if he would have said that to me, I'd have been like, hold up, wait a minute, you want me to do what, you know? So <laughs> tell us a little bit about your journey and how uh, God, you heard God's voice and, and how, um, how you listened to him.
6: I will. I'm excited to share it because uh, obviously it's a very big part of our life and has been uh, for the last uh, over 10 years now. So in May of 2007, we had this amazing experience. My wife and I were spending some time seeking the Lord Mm -hmm. a little bit more closely, spending more time with him, just kind of feeling that need to uh, get closer to him and just listen more carefully to see what he had you know, plans for us. Uh, we were married, obviously, we had one son at the time, he was three, okay. and I uh, know, thinking about other children, but but none in, in the plans or in the future that we knew about, but God was beginning to prick our heart about expanding our family. Hmm. And in May of 2007, I had this vision that God gave me. I knew it was a vision because I was I was awake, I wasn't sleeping. Um, And it was really, really powerful. And I talk about that in the book quite a bit. I go through all the details of the vision, but I'll give you the short summary of that. And it was like this. I was floating in the the ocean at night. It was very calm though, but I was being carried by like a current underwater. The scene was dark, and I washed up onto a, a beach of a deserted tropical island. And when I looked around on the sand, what I noticed was there were these jewels or gemstones that were lying all across the sand. And these weren't l- like small things like an engagement ring. These were enormous, like the size of a golf ball. Goodness. They were uh, huge. And the most interesting thing about them is they were glowing with an internal fire, or internal light. So in this dark scene, I just looked around on the sand, and there are all these gemstones just lying around glowing in the dark. And I just felt compelled to, to reach down and pick one up. And as I reached down to pick one up, the vision ended and God spoke something to my spirit that was so profound I still remember it uh, all these years later. He said, my son, are you willing to be carried by my spirit to a land far away to pick up the jewels that no one else even knows about? Hmm. And when he said that, it was like he pulled back the curtain of heaven for just a moment and I knew that adoption was what was in our future that he was calling us to go to another country another place and and find these children that were jewels in his eyes and bring them into our home
8: now jeffrey just give us a little clips of what you were doing when that vision came because my vi- my husband has visions and i think it's interesting because if i talk about it it just sounds like yeah right you know when you hear that so listeners might be going okay where you in your lazy boy kicked back and you just saw something where you dozing. I mean, tell us, I know this this interview isn't about visions, but just tell me a quick, you know, glimpse of what you were doing and how all of a sudden you saw this.
6: Of course. Um, it was actually uh, early in the morning. So uh, my wife and I were uh, getting up in the night and spending some time in the night hours with the lord that's what we felt called to do in that month and so it was actually in the middle of the night and i i was sitting in a recliner uh, you were seeing so you were right yes. you were right um i had my bible out and, you know i was reading through the bible um i was journaling some things the lord was was telling me and speaking to my spirit and yeah it was like um, like I said, it wasn't a dream because I was I was fully awake. Right. But I was just I was seeing things you know that weren't in my living room you know and and in my spirit I was experiencing those things that, that the Lord was just speaking to me.
8: So how did you? Um, at what point did you go? Okay, this is about a child. This is about adopting not just one but four. Right. Children. Exactly. Right.
6: Exactly. So in the beginning we ha- had this vision and so we had this idea of adoption and we began to think about that and explore that. Um, At the same time, God told us to go to a country in West Africa, to Burkina Faso, later that year, um, which we did we kind of put those two puzzle pieces together and said, okay, well, they must be connected and we're going to Africa to adopt a child, you know? And so we told everyone that we told our family, we told our friends, you know, this is what we believe we're doing. we we think we're going to go and possibly come back with an adopted child.
8: Oh my goodness. I love that about you because I'm Italian and I argue with God all the time, <laughs> but like Moses, when you argue, you miss sometimes miss the blessings of stuff. So you just jumped right in. You're like, okay, I'm on board.
6: We jumped right in and you know, we had this idea. Now we were, whoa, unaware of the process required for international adoption. It is quite a lengthy process. It takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of effort. There's a lot of paperwork that has to be done, and we didn't know anything about that. So we were just like, okay, got two pieces of the puzzle. We're going to put them together and and see if they fit. We went, and nothing happened. We volunteered at an orphanage. We stayed with some missionaries. Mm -hmm. We helped out in the community. We spoke at a church there, um, but we never felt like we connected with uh, a child an orphan that was available to be adopted that was to be ours and
8: so are you doubting your vision at this point
6: yeah absolutely i, I
8: would have been i'd been yeah. like okay so of i course. came here i have and- a question
5: though because you you keep saying we like you have this one perfect unit with between you and your wife and um i have a very excellent very solid marriage However, I couldn't imagine going through that without any kind of strife. How did this affect your relationship with your wife? And were you always on board together the whole time? Or how did that work out?
6: That's a great question. Um, We've always had a very close marriage. We've had challenges, of course, like everyone has. Um, From the beginning of the vision... We were on board, so when that happened, I told my wife Christine that I'd, I'd experienced something from God. I believed He was telling us something uh, for our for our future, but I was going to wait till she kind of got some some words about that too. And so some time went by, and then I sat down. I shared everything the Lord had said and the vision and, and the confirmations that I'd been receiving from Him. And she said she was very much on board. She said, "I th- I feel like this is the right thing as well."
8: So God said, had been stirring God her been heart, stirring heart as her. well. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
6: Interestingly enough, we earlier in our marriage, before we had any children, um, we had had two miscarriages, and during those that season when we were thinking about children, um, my wife Christine had asked, "What do you think about adoption?" And I had said at that time. I don't think I can do that. I don't know that I can you know, love a child that's not mine biologically. Mm-hmm. Well, God obviously radically changed that uh, <laughs> in my journey, which was just beautiful and the result has been beautiful. So yeah, we, we were very much uh, together on um, in, in the whole journey and, and we've gone through a different process on the process has looked a little bit different for each of us in terms of how we have adjusted to the the process and adjusted to bringing additional children into our home. Uh, Originally we just thought it might be one. And then as we went along, you know, a few years, God began to talk to us about multiple children. Oh my goodness. And And you guys
8: were still on the same page about that, like not even one, but let's maybe do four.
6: (laughs) (laughs) We were still on the same page, but I like to kind of equate our journey to putting a puzzle together, but without seeing the picture. Yes. On the box, right? So we felt like that God was giving us all these pieces to the puzzle, right? And we put them on the table and we'd say, okay, these must fit together. And we put them together and then we'd find some more and we put those together. And sometimes that was right. And other times God would come in later and give us another piece. And we'd be like, oh, uh, those didn't really fit together the way we thought they were going to. <laughs> and so we'd have to take some pieces apart, you know, and then, but over time, as we just began to collect all these pieces to the puzzle, you know, and things that God would tell us and speak to us and, and we'd fill in our spirit, um, the whole picture began to become clear.
7: Yeah. And
6: uh, But it really wasn't until the very end where we actually a- agreed, uh, our agency found this group of four children that we adopted, and that we uh, began to look at their story and see how their story fit into our story in terms of timing and things like that, that we really said, wow, this is really what God is doing. And we are really gonna bring four extra kids into our family um, in addition to the one that we had at that time.
5: Wow. Now, and wait, How long did this entire thing take from it the was, time that you had the jewel mm-hmm. vision until you mm-hmm. actually came home?
6: It was 10 years, Ow, 10 years. Wow. It was May of 2007 when I had the vision and uh, it was right at the end of May of 2017 When we went to Peru and spent a month in Peru, uh, finishing the process, completing the process, and then bringing the children home here today.
5: So it's not been quite two years since you brought the children
6: home. It's just 18 months, yeah, since we got home with them.
8: Oh my goodness, and then the children and writing a book and all that he's done. Yeah, and if you're just tuning in, it's We Believed our 10-year journey pursuing God's promises to adopt four children. Our author and guest today is Jeffrey S. Moore, and it's so good to have him in studio. So um, so this whole faith journey of 10 years and putting this, you know, these pieces together, and you know, one thing I've learned when God speaks into your life about here's where I want you to go, whether it's a vision where it's, um, you know, that inner voice, whatever it is, however he speaks to you about where he's taking you, um, if it involves like adopting children in this big life change, uh, he will have your partner's heart ready. He will be preparing it. Yeah. And so that's super important to remember and that it is a journey. So what did you learn in all of this? Um, gosh, I love your faith, Jeffrey. I just love how you jumped in. I can learn from that and lean on that. But um, what do you what do you want to tell our audience about your book and what you learned in this whole process?
6: Oh, I'd, I'd love to share. Um, the most important thing I think I learned is that God is completely faithful. Mm -hmm. And that everyone, um, I believe, has promises from God, things in their life that He has said to them, you know, this is what I want you to do, this is how I want you to to advance my kingdom in the world, you know, and spread my love and share the love of Jesus um, to those around you. And it can be anything. It can be uh, it can be being a parent. You know, it can be starting a business. Uh, it can be uh, ministering in a church, you know, or, or as a missionary. I mean, there's all kinds of different ways um, that God calls us to minister. But God is completely faithful. And the words that he says to you, they will happen and they will come true. Our part of the process is like Hebrews um, 6 talks about that, through faith and patience is how we inherit the promises of god and when we combine faith and that trust in god that his words are true and that he is working on our behalf and that patience which means sometimes we have to wait uh even when he's told us something it may not be right now we have to wait and allow him to work in our hearts to make us the people that that he wants us to be again so that when we are ready uh when that or when he's ready with with that part of the process, that part of our journey, that we're the people that he wants us to be, because that's the journey is probably just as important as the the end result. Oh, absolutely! That's awesome. Yeah. So,
5: okay, uh, we only we're running out of time really quick, but I just wanted to get to first. Can you tell us how, what the kinds of things that other anyone who reads this book is going to get, and how it can, will rekindle their faith, and the, so that they could have a fraction of the faith that you have, which is admirable, but then also where you can get it and things like that, you know, where we can find you for what you're doing next.
6: Absolutely. Um, Some of the things you're going to hear in the book are, you know, of course, it chronicles our story, but I wrote it with this idea in mind to encourage others. I want others to be able to dream big with God, you know, and be willing and and able to say, wow, that thing that God told me is really big, but I think I can do it, you know, and I, I, I'm going to, I'm going to walk in faith and, and walk with him and he's going to work through me, you know, to do amazing, incredible things I couldn't do on my own. Um, you're gonna learn how to hear God's voice a little bit more clearly um, You're gonna learn how to, to mix this faith and patience, you know together. Um, there's just all kinds of different um, I try to share everything that I learned in the journey right so really it's it's part of it's my spiritual growth You know over the last ten years um, And so I try to share those things those little nuggets of wisdom and and truth that uh, anyone can pick up and read and and say wow I can apply that you know to my life today
8: Awesome. That is going to be a good read. And I also like how, you know, all this kind of came down at a time where things weren't financially going very well for you. And so I love how you just stepped out in faith. And I was trying to look at a quote that um, the publicist had sent me, and I can't find it, but it was something about you can't wait on financial uh, perfection or having your ducks in a row basically before, you know, you step into faith and into what God has for you. So can you expand on that a little? A little
6: bit, yeah. I think it was um, the God doesn't check your pocket, your checkbook before He gives that, you a yeah, calling. Yes, I was. You know? I read
8: that and yes. I was like, I love that <laughs>
6: because you know He is going to resource you and provide for whatever He calls you to. Um, if it's His call, it's His plan for your life, He's going to provide those things. Now, we still have a part to work and partner with Him and, and things like that, but um, yeah, our experience has been really remarkable um, the way that He has provided. For us in that journey, uh, and then after bringing the kids home, the way that he has worked in our lives and our families' lives has um, just been incredible. There probably will be another book uh, coming out in the future. I'm
8: sure. I'm I'm looking forward to that too. And it's We Believed. And Jeffrey, where can we get in touch with you?
6: So you can go to my website at WeBelievedBook.com. Okay. Uh, the book is also available on Amazon.com as both paperback and ebook. Uh, it's available in other e-reader formats as well. So you can find it several places online and there's some bookstores here in town that are starting to carry it uh, The Barnes and & Noble and Aurora carries it and I'm working on some other title covers gonna carry it later this month
8: Oh good, yes, We Believe, Jeffrey S. Moore I can't wait to read it. I know it's gonna expand my faith and help me with that Oh, patience, patience that I need so, so very much in a, in a life uh, that is fast-paced And we want everything now and so I'm excited to read We Believe Thank you, Jeffrey, for coming on today and hanging out with us
5: you're yes, welcome. Thank you, Jeffrey. Us. And thank you, Donna, for coming in. It was such a wonderful interview. And you guys, go get We Believed uh, and look up, I'm sorry, We webelievedbook.com.
8: Rejuvenation on the Rocks is a cutting-edge medical facility in Greenwood Village that will have you looking and feeling your best. Roxy O'Brien transforms lives using a non-surgical revolutionary treatment called Cool Sculpting that targets, freezes, and eliminates fat cells in the areas of your body that are resistant to diet and exercise. With this non-invasive and effective procedure, you will start to see a difference fast. And the best part is that as a good news listener, you will receive a buy three, get one free special on your Cool Sculpting package. Call Roxy at Rejuvenation on the Rocks at 720-328-9094 or go to rejuvenation on the rocks that's rejuvenation on the rox.com to start your cool sculpting package and be sure to tell roxy that you are a good news listener to receive your special pricing deal
1: Angie Austin here. I want to tell you something that's close to my heart that I, I, I hope you'll feel uh, a passion for as well. Uh, helping people with intellectual and developmental disabilities. I have a lot of friends who work at ARC. They're ambassadors. They have over 300 differently-abled ambassadors. And so I shop at ARC all the time. I donate my items to ARC, and they give a lot of money back to the community, and they have a big gala coming up. And so I have the president and CEO of ARC. Uh, Lloyd Lewis is here, and uh, he's going to tell us about the uh, gala and also his passion for this work and hiring people like his son, Kennedy, who has Down syndrome. Hey, Lloyd.
7: (laughs) Angie, we are so excited about our... 50th anniversary gala it's going to be on september 8th at the hyatt regency downtown and we expect seven or eight hundred guests to be joining us celebrating everything everything that we do in the community and uh, we will have a fashion show featuring some of our employees with disabilities will be wearing clothing from our stores they'll be accompanied on stage by channel 7 anchors that'll be a lot of fun we are also going to have heroes of the year three of our employees with disabilities And uh, And they
1: are... I think they've been on the show. I know Miles has been on many times on the show. I think
7: all three of our heroes have been on your show, and they really enjoy your show. And we're going to celebrate them for what they bring to our company, their contributions and their positivity, and their willingness to you know, really jump in and do whatever they're asked and appreciate their co-employees and, and they just really make the company go. So I'm well, very excited.
1: A, a wonderful thing about shopping with ARC, it's shopping with a purpose. I get great deal, deals there. I, got, I buy a lot of my children's sporting equipment. They're involved in basketball and baseball and swimming and gymnastics, so we get a lot of things at ARC, including clothes and shoes. And so you can get great deals there, but again the money goes back into the community and they have a lot of ambassadors who really uh, have a wonderful purpose in life through their work with ARC. And if you'd like to go to the gala on September 8th at the Hyatt Regency or find an ARC location near you or you want to donate items, the website, Lloyd?
7: ARCthrift.com. ArcThrift.com,
1: Arc thrift and you know, in terms of the donations, I um, I do that quite often. I have the truck come. My husband's not one that likes to hang on to things, so he loves Arc because he likes to, you know, me to get rid of things. And I kind of feel like um, good about giving them away when it goes to Arc because I know the money is used to help our community. You raise a lot of money, but you don't just help, you know, people through Arc. You also help a lot of other nonprofits in the community because your thrift stores generate income. So first, let's start about, uh, talking about when we buy items at ARC, how does that help?
7: Um, well, we collect donations from the public. We sell them in 27 thrift stores, and the net proceeds go to support a lot of great charities. Uh, 14 ARC advocacy programs across Colorado, helping 10,000 individuals and families who have intellectual disabilities like Down syndrome, like autism, like cerebral palsy, and those advocates are helping them find jobs, housing, medical services, services, and schools. We also employ over 300 employees with disabilities. So we're one of the largest integrated employers of people with disabilities in the state of Colorado. And all of the net proceeds from donations that are sold in our stores go to help these wonderful, deserving, charities and, and people that we support.
1: And just one simple example, uh, Lori, a friend of mine who's an ambassador now with ARC, she's a greeter, and she's down at the Casa Bonita location. Um, she, before she was an ambassador, told me she'd outgrown her wheelchair, and I can't imagine how painful it is to be in a wheelchair that doesn't fit you anymore, and they're expensive, and so she told me ARC bought her a new wheelchair when she outgrew her old one. I mean, imagine being in a wheelchair, you don't fit in, how much that would hurt to be in that, that you know, tw- you know f- 16 hours a day.
7: Lori is one of our favorite ambassadors, one of our favorite employees with this She has this delightful, charismatic, very cheerful personality. She's funny. She's our ambassador who told my CEO group that she was gunning for my job because she'd throw better parties. She
1: probably would throw better parties. When
7: I chided her at bowling night, she said she was throwing me under the short bus. She has this (laughs) terrific sense of humor. She does. She writes beautiful, very moving poetry, and uh, she's just a delight to have in our store.
1: She wrote me a letter once, too. Yeah, she's she's, a— She's very, uh, has a lot of depth to her personality. I mean, she's very funny, Uh, and she told me when she goes, I'm very smart. I said, I'm I'm well aware of that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm very smart, Angie, I'm well aware of that. So, uh, shopping, donations, and the gala. And so, where do they go to find the various locations? Because you're all over the place.
7: Yeah, on our website, arkthrift.com, you can see a list of our 27 stores. And we're also opening a new store in Brighton in October. A new store in Longmont this coming winter. Wow. We have a letter of intent on a North Glen store. Sheesh. Uh, we are finalizing a letter of intent on a Boulder store. So you can find a store, you know, no matter where you live, you will find one of our three stores.
1: Love it. Uh, and again, uh, if you want to donate and you want the truck to come, 303-238-JANE is another great way to have the truck come right to your house for your donations. 303-238-JANE. Thank you, Lloyd.
7: Thank
0: you.